Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Careful making wishes in the dark, dark, can't be so Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Down Garcia. On this episode, we are joined by return guest Taylor Blake Ward. How are you doing today? Dan, the man with the plan. What's up, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Glad to get you back on here. Um, you know, I, I, it's always fun talking baseball, but I kind of want to start in more general terms. Uh, the 2020 playoffs, the extended playoffs. How did you think? How how did you like that? How did you like that format? Eh, I, not for me. Um, the thing that was unique about baseball is under half the league made the playoffs. And, you know, you look at the NHL, the NBA, um, NFL, what is it, a third of the teams make it or something like that. Yeah, uh, you know, for, for baseball, it was uh, it was nice to have just eight teams, or I guess ten, uh, ten teams make it kind of. Is it whatever, the two wild cards, the standard, you know. I like the wild card game. I love the single play-in wild card game. Um with the expanded playoffs, not not my cup of tea, but I'm not completely against it, especially this year. This year I didn't mind it, but if we're going to play 162 games, um, I see zero reason for that. Yeah, and that kind of brings me into a, kind of a spinoff of that. You know, there has been talks that they are going to want to try to keep it. I don't know if the exact same format as this year, but they like the idea I heard of the extended playoffs. If there was a tweak to kind of, in your eyes, make it better, uh, but still kind of maybe not letting as many teams in as this year, but more than previous. Like, what kind of a tweak would you think that would be? I have no idea. Um, I, I genuinely have no idea. Unless you did like a like a three-game uh, or wild card series or something, the whole point of it is to make money. Um, you know, with Rob Manfred working with the owners, um, his job is to make the owners money, and more playoff games means more money. Uh, whether that be through a TV deal or through ticket sales, whatever it is. So that's going to be the ultimate goal of expanded playoffs is getting these owners more money. Um, you know, hopefully that would mean that the players get more money, uh, which, you know, more money for the sport is not a bad thing as long as it's directed in the right direction. Um, but I, I, I don't see why you would change it. I mean, the 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 four teams getting in or the five teams each, uh, each side getting in, that's fun. And I just uh, – I just don't want to see half the league. I don't want to see a team um, that finishes the season in the 70s wins, you know, below 500, two, three games below 500, make it into the playoffs and knock out a one seed because we're playing three games, which is not – that's not a series. That's a weekend. That's a weekend. That's not a playoff <laughs> series. At all. 
Yeah, so the playoffs started. How did you like it, how it played out? Was it kind of what you thought was going to play out with, obviously, the, the Rays and the Dodgers and the, and the World Series? Or were there some surprises on around uh, the playoffs this year? I am happy that the two best teams made it to the World Series. I am happy the best team from each league made it. Um, also happy that the Atlanta Braves made it as far as they did and took the series seven games to really establish themselves as a powerhouse in baseball. Um, because I think the three best teams in baseball made it to the final four. I think the Houston Astros were very interesting because they did, they had to deal with a lot of issues over the season. I thought Dusty Baker did a great job managing that ball club. Um, but I don't think the Houston Astros were a top four team. I think the Yankees were, uh, and you saw that as they played Tampa. So I didn't mind it. I thought that, you know, when the best teams make it to the World Series and give you a World Series the caliber of what we had, it was pretty exciting. Even if it didn't go seven games, there was a lot of drama, and it was a fun series. And uh, same with um, both of the championship series as well. And you can't ask, you know, drama's fun, and, and it made for a really, uh, really fun series on both ends. And kind of the, the, the I don't want to say the, the biggest news out of it, but one of the things that happened, uh, game six was the taking out of, um, of Snell in the sixth inning. Uh, and that sparked a lot of debate about analytics and, you know, when do you feel your gut or when do you go with what pretty much got you there? How did you feel about that move, uh, by the Rays manager taking out Snell, uh, when he was just absolutely rolling? You know, I've got reamed. It's funny. The pro analytics crowd is saying, hey, go with your gut. And the old school, you know, gut crowd is saying, hey, you know, third time through the order analytics. It's like there was a reversal role. <laughs> and it's so weird. Um, I'm, I like to view myself as a blended person who, you know, comes traditional scouting and also, uh, you know, the analytics are a very important part of the game. I think with this, I would have let Snell go at least through the inning. Um, and looked for any alarming signs. There was just nothing. There was nothing alarming about Blake Snell. He had been flawless, and I know he gave up the hit, but God, you know, like one hit over six innings or whatever it was. Um, I think it was a mistake. And whether that came from the front office or whether that came from Kevin Cash, who I think uh, someone put it great, is Kevin Cash made one wrong decision the entire season long. It just happened to be in Game Six of the World Series. Um, so, you know, I would have kept him in, but I'm not paid millions of dollars to make that decision. Um, and I think that Blake, I think if Blake Snell is pissed off and doesn't trust the Tampa organization right now, I think it's right. Uh, he is in the right mind to do that. Um, you know, I would be really upset if I was Blake. Do you think that will have a lasting in- impact on that team going into next year because of that? I mean, besides Blake and what his thoughts are, but do you think other players around that team will have some kind of, I don't know, want to say resentment, but just kind of like like a second guessing when, when their manager says something? If, uh, if we're playing a regular season, you know, even if it's uh, 60 games, 100 games, 162 games, whatever it is, that's when analytics work. And if you're sitting there in July and it happens, you, you deal with it. It happens. But game six of the World Series, you can't let those mistakes, you know, really ruin your year. And um, I think that, you know, we get into July and things and things are fine. And, you know, whether Kevin Cash takes a guy out at 70 pitches because he's at the third time through the order, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's the middle of the season and the Rays are going to win. 
if it happens again in October, we're going to be talking about, I mean, we're going to be talking about this all the way to the next world series, regardless of if it's justified or not. And that's where I think the problem is, is when is Kevin Cash going to get the monkey off his back of doing this? And when is Blake Snell going to pull the monkey off his back saying, Hey, let me throw seven damn innings. Like, let me get my workload done. And it's going to be that, that little battle. Um, and I think that if it's in July, there's not going to be an argument. But if it's sitting there in, in September and the Rays are in a playoff race or it's in October when the Rays are in the playoffs again, that's when it's going to be a serious issue uh, between the organization and the player. Now, kind of moving forward from that, obviously now um, Sunday was the beginning of free agency right after the designation of the qualifying offers to, I believe it was six players or seven players. Um how, did that surprise you as far as the names that were on the list or maybe just not as many names were on the list as you thought? Not at all. I think actually there was one name that did surprise me. Uh, Kevin Gosman, I was surprised he got a qualifying offer. Not a knock on him. Very talented pitcher who deserves that kind of money. Um, but with the state of baseball and the financial situation, um, I wasn't surprised in the least. There was, I think the biggest surprise was Gosman getting the extent or the qualifying offer and Marcus Semyon not getting the qualifying offer. But outside of that, I didn't have any giant surprises that popped off of my mind. Did you originally think at all the chances of Simmons, uh, Anderson Simmons getting an offer from the Angels, or were you coming into it like, yeah, there's like no way he's going to get an offer from the Angels? Had to see what the money was going to be. Uh, if it was around $17 million, I think there would have been some sense in that for one more year of Andrelton. Um, but it was what nineteen eight eighteen point nine million. That's nineteen million. Yeah. Um, I know that's only a two million dollar difference, but that could get you a pretty quality uh, quality relief arm on the free agent market. And I think Andrelton's going to go get himself paid. So um, I don't see. Uh, I think another part is Andrelton Simmons probably would have accepted something upwards of fifteen million. Um, because you know, is he going to get that money on the free agent market? So. I wasn't overly surprised um, when I heard the money. You know, when it was $18.9 million, I think I sat there and I was like, nah, Andrew Allen's not going to get one, whether he's uh, worthy of one or not. I mean, he's, you know, such a gifted baseball player, but I think that's a little bit much. Now with the – you kind of touched on it, said it a little bit about the financial state of baseball with – Obviously, the shortened COVID season, no fans in the stands and all that stuff. Uh, it looks like a lot of teams are going that financial route. You're seeing a lot of guys' options not being picked up uh, for next year. With all these guys in the free agent pool, how does that affect teams and what they go after? You know, Let's just say the Angels. How's it, how do you think that's going to change their kind of um, game plan heading into free agency? I'm not sure. Um, I think the Angels have <laughs> an abundance of problems that do not start with free agency. <laughs> they start with uh, people leaving the front office, which, you know, for personal reasons uh, that makes sense. Um, they don't have a decision maker. I don't know who their decision maker is as general manager right now. And for all I know, it could be John and Artie. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know who's making the decisions uh, baseball operations-wise right now. And that's a tough thing. So 
when it comes to, you know, we look at last winter, the teams that spent had success, right? Toronto made it to the playoffs. Chicago made it to the playoffs. And they spent over the winter. I think you realize that spending money does kind of help you. And someone's going to pay, you know, pay big money for Trevor Bauer and George Springer and JT Real Muto and these premier pros or premier uh, uh, baseball players on the free agent market. Um, but you're looking at guys like, uh, you know, I've used this example. I don't know if you were going to bring it up, but Cam Bedrosian is put on waivers is going to be declared a free agent before he hits arbitration. $3 million is around the range of what he was going to get this year. I don't know if you're going to find someone of Cam Bedrosian's caliber on the free agent market for $3 million. And that's not a knock on anyone, but I mean, $3 million in this age of baseball, that's not a lot for a middle reliever. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I think we're going to see a lot more. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more trades. I think the trade market's really going to pick up. And the free agent market, I think we're going to see a lot of manipulation, which is going to be a problem when we get to this time next year and we have a new CBA because uh, the players are not going to be happy if the winter goes, I think, the way that everyone expects it to go with a slow winter and everyone going into spring training, maybe without a job. And you kind of mentioned it too with the – the decision makers at the Angels, there's really hasn't been uh, a name out there to say that he's the one pulling the strings or anything like that. So, do you think that hurts? You know, your free agents are probably taking meetings now and meeting with certain teams. Do you think that hurts the Angels when they, let's say, call in a Trevor Bauer, or call in you know whoever their uh, Marcus Stroman if he declines that uh, qualifying? But if they call these guys in and there's not the GM who's going to be there for the years the player is, that can't help the Angels pull in these guys can it i think with Artie pulling the strings you're going to look at the big free agents you know like i said the bowers the real mutos the springers the lemayhews guys like that ownership does step in you meet with the owner at that point so i think there's you know i think with the big free agents it's not a serious issue um outside of the fact that you need a direction with a general manager but at least you can tell the player in the meeting hey these are the guys we're leaning towards. This is the direction we're heading. Because um, they're the ones that, are, that know what's going on in the interview room. We only know who's being interviewed. We don't know what's going on in the room and what direction these guys want to go. Um, but I'll say this, you know, Jonathan Strangio left uh, the Angels over the weekend. Um, and it sounded like this was planned for personal reasons, which is great for Jonathan. He's a great guy. But to not have someone in the room heading to general manager meetings – uh, which are coming up in a week or two. I'm sure they're going to be uh, virtual, but yeah, you know virtual. what I mean. You know, yeah. having a guy um, at, at GM meetings, that's going to be tough. And you're going to, you know, go into the winter a little bit blind. Um, and, you know, where are you going to find Cam Bedrosian's replacement? Where are you going to find a catcher? Because you need a catcher. You need a middle infielder, a catcher. You might need a corner infielder to, to platoon at first base. You need a fourth outfielder unless you really trust uh, – Mikey Hermosillo and Taylor Ward, um, guys like that. It, you know, where is Brandon Marsh going to come into play? Because he's a trade chip. Might be the only trade chip you really have to make a big splash to get a pitcher. I mean, the pitching is obviously the focus, but you still need a middle infielder because you lose Andrelton Simmons. And David Fletcher, whether you play him as shortstop or not, you still need someone to either play second or short. And to not have someone in the go- negotiating room for those uh, – those negotiations, that's going to be tough. So I think the Angels, I know that they're talking about, you know, mid-late November for a general manager, but I you need to pull a plug soon and get someone in there. 
what kind of what kind of general manager do you think will fit the Angels best? Because it seems like you know Artie has a kind of effectuation with guys with names, and you know you heard like a, a before Larusa went to uh, Chicago, you heard his name floating around. Then you heard you know then you heard Dombrowski's name floating around. It always seems like he has a thing for names. But what what kind of GM do you think fits what the Angels want to do best? Like is it like a uh, analytic guy? Like we were talking about before with the with the with the Rays. You know, the analytics is very heavy in that organization. Is it someone like that that the Angels need to get into uh, that front office? I think uh, you, you put a big point is, is a name product. And I don't know if the name is necessarily what we're looking at because I don't know. You know, Dave Dombrowski sounds like he's out. Um, you know, Eddie Bain now sounds like the primary, like big, when you talk about big names or names that are known, Eddie Bain is the guy that came in for the interviews that is the bigger name of the group. But everyone that's coming in for an interview has a, a track record of winning. And that's, I think, what the key is going to be for uh, is finding a way to win. And, you know, we look at Billy Epler's tenure and, you know, if the Angels win in two years from now, Billy Epler is the one to really get the credit because he's the one that put together the team that's on the field. But you're going to get guys that come from Chicago, L.A., um, Kansas City, uh, Houston, you know, a lot of these guys are kind of the ones that are coming up in the negotiating table and in the interviews that we're talking about. And I think the winning uh, track record is going to be the biggest thing. The thing about most of the guys that are coming in from um, for these interviews is it's a lot of developmental and scouting focus guys. The analytics are always going to be there. Analytics are a part of the game no matter who you are, where you come from at this point. But a lot of the guys that are getting interviews come directly from scouting and traditional scouting, you know, projection and finding, you know, evaluation. And that's going to be, I think that's kind of going to be the direction of the Angels. And Billy Epler started that way. You look at Billy Epler and when he came in, he had a scouting background and everything. And then the science and the analytics kind of took their steps forward with the organization. And you saw a lot of things developmental-wise that were a little bit more scientific as opposed to traditional. And I don't know if we're going to see as much science behind the game and, you know, the analytics are always going to be there. No matter what happens, you're going to have an analytics department and a big high scale analytics department. But I think there may be a small step back in the analytics. And I don't, you know, for someone that stands a little bit neutral on that side, I'd like to see the blend of, you know, Jared Porter coming in or Scott Sharp coming in, guys that really came from evaluation that do have. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.com dot georgetown dot edu slash podcast.
Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Have a, a high comprehension of how to evaluate and bring in talent that way as opposed to uh, focusing in on the numbers. You know, that was a great explanation how this hall, because I think as, as, as fans, we get kind of caught up in, is he an analytic guy? Is he not an analytic guy? Is he scout guy? Is he just by the numbers guy? But I think he did a good job of kind of t- saying, hey, you know, those numbers are always going to be there regardless of who's, who's there. And I don't think a lot of fans realize that analytics is kind of one of those things that's worked its way into the game now. And it's, you know, it's always going to be there kind of regardless of who's pulling what strings on what team. So kind of now moving forward to individual players, you kind of mentioned Angels could be possibly looking or, or you think they could be possibly looking at maybe like a corner uh, infielder. Now, with the emergence of Jared Walsh at the September of last year, um, do you think that's something that he can sustain and, and kind of solidify himself in that first place or first base uh, position? Or do you think they still need to go out and, and get someone that can compete and, and, and possibly start at first base? I don't know. I really don't know because it's such a small sample with Jared, but man, what he did was astonishing and it's going to be supported by the analytics uh, and the, the data, the data that drives those analytics. And also you look at the traditional scouting, you look at his swing and how much he quieted his load over the last year. He looks the part. And it's like when you pass the eye test and you pass the data test, suddenly you might have a guy. And there was, you know, you and I have talked about Jared Walsh for years uh, when he was with uh, right. Inland Empire. Right. Right. He had, he had a mass power and he, had, he put up outrageous numbers, but he had to get rid of the violence. There was so much violence in the load and it was a long swing. There was a lot of load. And it's like, yeah, this guy's a bench piece. You know, he's got power and he's going to run into a few home runs. Watch him this year and you see how much he's quieted his hands. I mean, gosh, this guy looks the part of a masher and not that he's going to go out and put up a, a one, a one OPS and have a one fifty way to runs create a plus or anything. But this guy looks sustainable as a major league first baseman every day. Um, whether or not that is the case, you know, I, you're talking to a guy with an amateur eye a little bit with me. Um, I think he looks the part, but having a safety cushion of maybe bringing in a guy like, um, you know, I don't know if they're even free agents, but you're looking at, uh, you know, say Lucas Duda and Roberto Ramos in the Korean League. You know, bring in one of those guys as just a depth piece to platoon with Albert Pujols and, and Jared Walsh and have one of those guys. You know, no, there's nothing wrong with friendly competition. And if you bring in a depth guy, suddenly, you know, you get into July, first base, you're going to find someone on the trade market to bring in if you need it. So it's not a. I think right now you, you ride, the, ride the course with Jared Walsh, but you bring in some competition for him. And I don't know who that would be. You know, I, I mentioned those two names. I don't know if they're going to be back over. But just names of that sort, those kind of guys that were Jared Walsh at the start of the season and bring in that competition to see if he's, you know, see if Jared's really the real deal. 
And I mean, like you said, we've seen him since Inland Empire, so it's good to kind of see him work his way up through the system. He had great numbers in AAA, and then, uh, like like you mentioned, made the adjust made the adjustments with his swing and, and absolutely killed it in the month of September. So, another guy that we've seen through Inland Empire is Joe Adele. Now, his 2020 season, I don't know how you feel about it, but I felt like it was kind of, in a way, rushed. Like I I don't know necessarily. If, if I thought he would have been ready at that point where he got caught up being that there's no minor league season at all during that league and he was just in Long Beach. How did you feel about Joe's uh, his timing of him being brought up and then just kind of his season overall? I, I tend to agree. I, I felt like it was rushed. Um, I, I've got to admit, you know, there are some alarming signs. Um, seeing Seeing him in the box, he didn't look as athletic as he did when he was around. And he looks stiff. And that's something that's alarming. Now, this is also a guy who is a freak athlete. He's one of the best athletes in baseball. And if anyone can make adjustments as a guy of this caliber, um, we, just, we need to remember he's, what, 21 years old? And these guys need time. I just I, – I think he got the cup of coffee that he needed. He found the struggles for the first time in his career. Because when was the last time he struggled like this? He's never struggled like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Never. And you need a guy to struggle, but you kind of want that to happen when you're in the minors. You kind of want a struggling phase when you're in the minors, not the majors. Um, So, you know, I don't think this guy lacks confidence. I think Joe Adele has plenty of confidence in his talents. And not arrogance, but confidence. There's a big difference because, you know, he he knows he's a good baseball player. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just convincing him that, hey – I'm going to be a good baseball player at the major league level. I'd like to see him get some confidence. I'd like to see him, if we have minor league baseball next year, I'd like to see him in AAA to start. Um, and, and, you know, maybe he comes out in spring training just mashing, and that's where a place where you can say, look, the guy's ready. Um, he had a bad few months. And, and Joe Joe had a bad few months. There's no sugar coating. He had a very bad few months. But, you just got to see him progress, and you got to see that progress hit very quickly. And for a 21-year-old, I think he still has some development left. So kind of obviously the big thing with the Angels is pitching, 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 and I think that's everything the fans want to see, and I think that's obvious that was kind of hurt them last year. A lot of people want to go after Trevor Bauer, but I think, you know, 30 teams are going to want to go after Trevor Bauer. So if Trevor Bauer isn't the guy the Angels pick up, what's another name out there, free agency-wise, that can help them in the rotation? Ooh. Um, shoots, man. I, I, think you, I think you have to go get Trevor Bauer. And like you said, all 30 teams are thinking that. Um, I think you have to bring in someone of that caliber. And if it's Charlie Morton on a one-year deal, I think that's fine because – Charlie, you know, sadly, as good as Charlie is, he's, what, 38 years old? Yeah. And at some some point, it's just not – baseball's just not going to work. And you don't want to see it happen, but it's going to happen at some point. And the closer he gets to 40, it's going to get closer. Um, So Charlie Morton's an option. A guy like Robbie Ray, you know, you you bring in a Robbie Ray or a Taiwan Walker or an Aaron Sanchez, and you you bring him in on a – a little bit more of a friendly deal. You know, you're talking about guys that are going to sign for at 10 million yearly around that mark. Uh, I don't know about Aaron Sanchez, but 
you can assume Robbie Ray, Taiwan Walker, they're going to be looking around $10 million a year. And I think you get two guys of that kind of caliber and suddenly you start sustaining your uh, your rotation with some mid-rotation, back-rotation arms to fill in with Griffin Canning and Andrew Heaney. Um, I think you need to find a guy. Trevor Bauer is going to cost you $30 million a year, and whether he's going to stick to that one-year contract for the rest of his life deal or not, I have no idea. Um, you know, he's got Rachel Luba as – who's starting to become a super agent, and I think he's going to make some money this year. I really think him and Rachel are going to make some money this year. Um, So I think you kind of start exploring, do you trade Brandon Marsh? Do you trade Jam Jones and Jeremiah Jackson and and Chris Rodriguez? And, you know, you never want to – there's a reason you build this farm system is to build product for, you know, sustainability for years within your organization, but – that may be the difference between doing it or not. And if you don't get a guy like Trevor Bauer, or even if you do get a guy like Trevor Bauer, you're going to have to add some extra arms. And I think that may have to be the direction because when you look at the free agent market for uh, starting pitchers, it's, it's okay. I mean, you've got Trevor Bauer, you've got um, Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gosman. And I think you have to hold off on, you know, you, you can only get one of those guys because of the qualifying offer and, and, Look at it however you want, but surrendering a second and a third round pick can get a little rough, and we're going to see the future of that. We've seen it with the Angels before, but maybe you go get a guy like a like a James Paxton. You know, does James Paxton still have it in him? Does Drew Smiley have it in him? Um, Jake Odorizzi, um, you know, Rick Porcello. Th- those are kind of guys that it's like these are you know these are guys that would be very useful to the Angels. But only one of them is Trevor Bauer. And you, you kind of need Trevor Bauer and you need some of these guys. So, I don't know. I think uh, the free agent market doesn't really glorify starting pitching, if you ask me, if you're looking for the frontline guys that you kind of had last year on the market. So now moving into the bullpen, because I think also people will say the bullpen was an issue uh, this year. Um, is the bullpen then, like you said, you know, you had kind of Trevor Bauer and then everyone else when it came to um, the starting pitching. How would you rate the the relieving core in this year's free agency compared to like the, the uh, starting pitching? You know, I, I, relief pitching is impossible because you're you're looking at guys like Brad Hand who have had success for years. And you're looking at guys that, you know, relief pitching is such a crapshoot. How many relief pitchers really make it for an extended period of time? Can you sign a relief pitcher for multiple years and get value out of those guys for multiple years? You look at Houston Street, right? One of the greatest closers of the 21st century. He signed, what, for four years? And at the end of his contract, it was bad. It was very, very weak. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody loves Houston Street, but... At what point, right? You know, right. Um, you've got Liam Hendricks, you've got Trevor May, you've got Kirby Yates, uh, very, very good relievers. Trevor Rosenthal, Brad Hand, guys like this that are very good. Um, how much are you willing to spend to bring guys like this in when you need starting pitching too? Because starting pitching is going to be much more important than your relief core. Um, you know, you, you look at what the Dodgers did, right? You look at Blake Trinan and Jake McGee, and you just try and get what you can out of these guys. Maybe the Angels can do that. But 
relief pitching, it's a crapshoot, man. I, you just need to find guys that throw. You know, the only team that's figured it out is uh, is Tampa, right? Yeah. And how many hundred mile per hour, you know, lefties and righties can you really bring into an organization, and at what cost? So. Who knows? Maybe you go find a guy in AAA that's hitting 100 miles per hour or 98 miles per hour that has some uh, command struggles, and you just you make a strong attempt to bring him in and and pray that your uh, pray that Mickey uh, Callaway can do something with him. Now, kind of, I'm glad you brought up Mickey Callaway because that's gonna be my next thing. Now, this this staff, you know, with with Madden and Callaway and stuff like that, now they're gonna be involved. Now their second year, second season, you know, is there? Is it unheard of to hear, to see like guys take jumps in their careers now that they have the same voice in their head for maybe you know a couple of years now, or is it kind of like is the coaching aspect of it kind of um, like they're not going to make that big of a difference? But you know, you, you kind of get what I'm saying. Um, yeah, I uh, you, you can't judge it off sixty games um, because you look at what you know Doug White. You look at his tenure with the Angels, right? Not a lot of success, but you look at what he did with certain individuals and there was success that came from them. And suddenly when Doug White moves on, you're seeing that these guys are not ha- having that kind of success. Keenan Middleton, one of them. Um, Cam Bedrosian is one of those guys. You get into guys that you know did find success with Mickey, such as Mike Myers. Um, but you look at Hansel Robles, who struggled. It's kind of just, you, you can't judge it on 60 games, and I feel like you need a couple years together, at least two or three years together to really assess because you look at what the angels did uh, the last few months, right? Or the last month and a half, the angels were a very successful team the last few months. And a lot of that was based on Joe Madden. Also Joe Madden made his mistakes at the end. So Joe Madden steadily is figuring out his bullpen usage. And it's like, if the angels go 162 games, they're probably going to make the playoffs. You know, they're probably going to surpass Toronto and, they're probably not going to contend with Oakland, but at least they have that that feeling of being a wild card team if we're playing 162 games. So, you know, we're waiting to see what Joe Madden is going to figure out, staff, but it takes more than, you know, a quarter of the season to do that. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the season, next season goes, if it is 162 games, if it's abbreviated somehow, fans in the stands, out of the stands, and all that stuff. But, um, Taylor, I want to thank you again for jumping back on with us. Uh, you know, the off season's here. The free agency hopefully starts picking up pretty soon, and there'll be more to talk about. But again, thank you for jumping on and uh, chatting for a little bit. No, thanks for having me on, man. It's been fun chatting with you, and uh, looking forward to see what happens this winter with uh, with just baseball in general. It's going to be wild. It's definitely going to be wild. Thanks again. What's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, 
because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. You might not be able to get to the game at all this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going to extra mile to make sure you can get on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures now. Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Our partners at Manscaped are forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor that powers a 360-degree rotor dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. The only nose hair trimmer on the market with a powerful and rechargeable lithium-ion battery that lasts for up to 90 minutes of use. Have you ever pulled out your nose hair with your fingers? That might hurt worse than nicking your balls. Manscaped is making whacking your weeds a time to look forward to delivering maximum comfort while providing hygiene. Yes, you will get a replaceable blade every three months to keep your weed whacking time clean and enjoyable. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. It's time to upgrade your Manscaped routine with the Weed Whacker. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's right. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use promo code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds. And I want to thank Taylor for jumping on with me once again. Um, always fun to have him on the podcast. Again, Taylor Blake Ward, formerly of Locked On Angels. And that's probably where you know him from. Um, but if you want to follow him on, on on Twitter, go ahead and follow my Taylor Blake Ward. Um, you know, now more so for just kind of baseball information, more so than I would say angel specific information, but still a great follow. Uh, great guy to talk baseball with. Always a fun time. So, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the All Angels Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can always reach us at allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's allangelspodcast at gmail.com. Our next podcast will be probably coming out around next week with a, a current angel player. We're going to catch up with Justin Anderson um, and kind of see how he's doing. So look for that next week. If everything goes well, we have the interview planned Um uh, two days from when I'm recording this podcast. So um, hopefully everything turns out well and we're able to make it work. Uh, but yeah, so next podcast will probably be out in a week with Justin Anderson, and that's going to be with uh, Johnny and myself. So until then, hope you enjoy this podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review um, on iOS, Apple Podcasts. Help us spread the word that way. And then obviously subscribe on 
Spotify and Google Play and iHeartRadio. Really looking forward to the off-season starting and the free agent market heating up. And we'll be there every step of the way. Uh, Definitely check us out on our social media feeds at Halo underscore Haven. So until then, I am Dan Garcia, and you've listened to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. 